obsessed. She's delusional. Do you hear me? The girl is delusional. Stay tuned. We'll get into my conversation with Marie Monroe, honey, right after these quick ads. Hey, Raindrops. So before we get into my interview with Marie Monroe of Bell Collective, we first have to get into the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I need to take a very quick but deep dive into the Kardashian versus Hilton saga. Because again, that's the bigger picture in terms of what's been going on with this Kathy Hilton drama with Lisa Renna. And we must get into the Kathy and Kyle of it all, okay? So let's start here. Knowing that this very talked about beef between Lisa Renna and Kathy Hilton has to do, allegedly, with Lisa Renna requesting at the bar Kendall Jenner's 818 tequila. And we all saw that Kathy Hilton was not happy with that request. And she stormed off, honey, in her Louboutins and said, I'm out of here. And was very upset, which to me was uncalled for. And it was a lot. Whether or not Lisa Renna was being shady, I still don't think it was warranted for Kathy to behave that way. And then we saw that later that evening, they went to the club, honey, and she requested Michael Jackson's Billie Jean, child, and all hell broke loose. Knowing that all of this was transpiring with Kathy, to me, as a producer, I saw things differently. And I'm very curious, Raindrops, if you saw what I saw. Kathy Hilton's presence on the show has always been colored with comedy. She's aloof. You know, does Kathy realize she's on a reality show? She's funny. She's a prankster. Like, all those things were what you guys loved about Kathy. Listen, I think Kathy's fine as a friend of. Do I think she's the best thing to ever happen to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? No. But, again, this is what happens when you believe that social media is the real world. Because based on social media, y'all think Kathy is the biggest superstar in the world. And in regards to being a reality star on the 90210 of the Housewives, she's okay. I like what she gives. She gives a one-two joke, a one-two ditzy moment. She really is Paris Hilton Sr., okay? And the way we all fell in love with Paris Hilton back in the day, 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 it was because we liked that we saw this blonde who, now that we know, is in on the joke. Like, Paris was in on the fact that, oh, no, what is Walmart? Is it a place that sell, like, you know, walls? Okay, look, back in 1997, that was cute. So we all fell for the okie doke because there's nothing more funny than seeing a ditzy rich girl. Like, we thought that was cute. And the fact that she had this baby doll voice that gave you American girl Barbie doll, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh knowing that her voice is raspy and deep, okay? But again, we were like, okay, Paris was in on the joke. And I feel like Paris Hilton Sr., a.k.a. Kathy, is also in on the joke. And just like how I read Lisa Renna for being a retired magician to where her tricks are old and dated, Kathy Hilton is nothing but another version of Paris. And honestly, I feel like it's tiresome. This whole idea of her not being aware of her aloofness is stale, okay? But again, she believes she's the greatest thing because you guys on social media let her to believe that. And also, I think some of y'all think that Kathy Hilton runs her Instagram page so that when she reposts up and make comments that it's her. Newsflash, guys, that's her social media person that she hired. Kathy Hilton has no idea how to log on the www.web <laughs> and do anything. She has people for that. So when you guys say, oh, Kathy Hilton's reading the girls, honey, that is Kathy Hilton's assistant 
doing his job. Okay? That's that. So now that we know that this big argument and beef between Kathy and Lisa has to do with her requesting Kendall Jenner's tequila, we now have to do a quick deep dive into the history of the Kardashians versus the Hiltons. So as we all know, Paris Hilton back in the day, day, day was one of the biggest socialites in the world. And you have to give her that. We all were into the simple life. We all were into her loving pink. We all were into this ditzy character that she formed for herself. She became worldly famous due to a sex tape that was allegedly leaked. Okay? That's that. And then she became really famous, started hanging out with Britney Spears, Lindsay Lohan, Nicole Richie. Like, Paris Hilton was that girl. Fast forward to when Paris and Nicole Richie had a falling out. She replaced Nicole Richie with Kim Kardashian, who at the time was the... <laughs> what do we call this job? She was decorating people's closet or styling people's closet. That was Kim's job. So not only was Kim and Paris' best friends, Kim was also, like, styling people's closets, and that's what she was doing for Paris. So when Paris started to bring Kim Kardashian around, she started to become famous. Kim started to date Nick Lachey. <laughs> Post his divorce with Jessica Simpson. And then fast forward to Kim Kardashian being the number one socialite in the world, and still is that. And Paris Hilton, star, started to be on the decline. And Kim's star started to rise. And one thing that you all need to know about the likes, honey, of Beverly Hills, Beverly Hills is a very competitive town. Very. Parents compete with each other in regards to you know, whose kids are going to the best school. You know, the mothers are all competing uh, upon who is the best PTA mom. Beverly Hills 90210, honey, is very big little lies, okay? That HBO show with Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, and the rest of them. That's what Beverly Hills is. So for Paris Hilton, and this is the things that I believe, okay? And y'all know when I say stuff, it comes out to be true. But that's neither here nor there. This is my belief in terms of why Kathy Hilton was so pissed that Lisa Renna ordered a tequila that is branded by Kendall Jenner. At the end of the day, what we know to be a fact is that Kim Kardashian single-handedly surpassed Paris Hilton all across the universe. Period, point blank. It's reminiscent of, you know how like you're in high school and you may be the most popular kid in high school and then you befriend somebody who may not have as much as you, but you know, this person is nice and smart and you feel like, oh, you know, you can hang with me. And then after a while, that friend you befriended starts to become more popular than you. Yes, I'm talking about the movie Mean Girls. <laughs> Yes, Regina George, but that's who Paris Hilton was to me. Paris Hilton is Hollywood's version of Regina George. So when she befriended Casey, the Lindsay Lohan character, and how the Lindsay Lohan character started to emerge as the popular girl in the school, that's what happened with Paris and Kim Kardashian. So much so, when Paris' star was dwindling, honey, she did an interview, okay, on a morning show where Paris said, and I quote, she was talking about Kim's body because Kim is a curvy girl and a lot of people, especially back then, it was like this rise of the curvy girl from Jennifer Lopez to Beyonce and yes, Kim Kardashian, okay? Paris Hilton made a comment and said, it reminds me of cottage cheese inside a big trash bag. Yeah, she said that in 2008. And in another interview, Paris said this about Kim Kardashian. I created Kim Kardashian. And that is a direct quote 
from Paris Hilton. Why is that important, you ask? It goes to show you the mentality that the Hiltons have about their stature in Hollywood, okay? And the fact that Kim surpassed Paris in the sense of the student surpassing the teacher, you best believe Kathy Hilton, who would like to believe she may be the original momager, of course will have her daughter's back, okay? And because what Kris Jenner did, because let me tell you how this all works, Kris Jenner was a part of that wealthy elite of socialites, right, when she was married to the late Robert Kardashian. When Robert and Kris divorced, Kris was not amongst the wealthy elite anymore because she divorced the wealthy husband of hers, okay? When she remarried um, again and she got married to Bruce Jenner, she said this publicly. They weren't as rich as she was accustomed to being married to Robert. And that's why Chris had to kick things into high gear, started to manage Bruce Jenner, created this brand for himself to be this, you know, motivational speaker, and the rest is history, right? In Beverly Hills, Chris Jenner was not that girl anymore. And Kathy Hilton, due to her last name, was always that girl. And Paris Hilton was that girl as well. So when Chris Jenner, who was a dark horse in the legacy of Beverly Hills women, got her daughter Kim, got this reality show that is now the longest running family based reality show in history, and how all of her children, not just one, Chris Jenner, who to me will go down in history as the greatest female manager of all time, she single-handedly is responsible for creating a brand for each one of her children, okay? So for Kathy Hilton to see this woman who, again, Kathy Hilton never said this. This is my belief, guys. Kathy and Paris had to watch little poor Chris and lapdog Kim Kardashian surpass them and surpass them in the way to where Kris Jenner is that girl in Beverly Hills, Dubai, Paris, the country, (laughs) and all over the world, honey. That is a tough pill to swallow. And at the end of the day, no matter how many reality shows Paris Hilton creates, whether it's her cooking in her kitchen, or getting married to her now husband. Paris Hilton is not who she used to be. And I like Paris Hilton, and this is no shade to Paris. Paris Hilton will never, ever surpass the likes of Kimberly Noel Kardashian. So for Kathy Hilton, that will always be a tough pill to swallow because Kathy Hilton's used to being the number one chick in the 90210. And now that woman is Kris Jenner. So when you see the reaction that Kathy Hilton had, knowing that what Kris Jenner did so beautifully was use that reality show as one big-ass commercial for her children to promote their products and brands. Okay? So now you're getting it, guys? Yes. Knowing that Kris Jenner used a reality show to promote her products and her kids' products to billions of dollars, Kathy Hilton thought, if I get on the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, I am going to follow the blueprint that Chris set forth and use this Real Housewives of Beverly Hills to promote my shit. So when Lisa Renna decided to hijack that scene and say, please, I want to try Kendall Jenner's 818 tequila. All Kathy saw was Chris Jenner's bank accounts at Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Chase, her wire number, her ABA number, honey. Yes, Chris. All Kathy saw was dollar signs. Not in her pockets, but Chris. And in her mind, she said to herself, 
and this is what I believe. I believe Kathy said to herself, allegedly, this bitch really, really is going to use this platform to promote Kris Jenner's daughter's tequila. And that's why, in my opinion, allegedly, why Kathy Hilton stormed off. So because Kathy Hilton was heated, she took it out on her sister. And for my raindrops who comes from a big family like I do, when it comes to siblings, that will always be a very complicated relationship. Because no matter how bad they treat you, there's this rule in families to where you must forgive and forget. And as somebody who has nine siblings, <laughs> look, it's hard to forgive somebody who treats you like shit. It is. You can forget about it and move on for the sake of the family, but deep down inside, it's a hard pill to swallow when your sibling disrespects you. And the way Kathy disrespected Kyle, because we all know that at the end of the day, the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is Kyle Richards' show. She's the queen bee. She's the force multiplier. Kyle is that girl when it comes to the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Kathy Hilton knows that at the end of the day, Kyle runs that show. So Kathy Hilton's angst at Kyle had to do with, in my opinion, why aren't you checking this bitch, Lisa Renna? You should be checking her. I'm trying to promote my products. This show ain't paying me shit that I don't need or have. So I'm using this show to promote products. Why aren't you checking Lisa Renna? And that's why her anger went towards Kyle, okay? Instead of going at the person who she felt pissed off at, which was Lisa. So fast forward to her going to the club. She's still angry. She wants to play Michael Jackson. Because at the end of the day, Michael Jackson's music makes you feel good. Okay, Crystal? So Kathy wants to play Billie Jean. Diana, who's there to also promote her boo, Diana is not there to promote no products. She's there so that Asher can get a record deal. But I'll talk about that another time, child. So Kathy, being already upset, she wants to play Billie Jean because, yes, honey, Billie Jean is not my lover, honey. Yes, that's the song she wanted to hear to make her feel good. So knowing that she got dissed, because again, you're not Kris Jenner, Kathy. If Kris Jenner told the DJ to play Michael Jackson, you best believe the DJ would have played Michael Jackson because at the end of the day, Kris Jenner has a recognizable face. You know who the fuck Kris Jenner is. Kathy, you may be that bitch in the 90210, but in Aspen, Colorado, no one knows you. A millennial DJ, and yes, I'm going to assume that the DJ at the club is a millennial. They don't know you, Kathy. They don't know Paris. Child, they don't know Nikki Hilton. Like, and it's no shade. They don't know you. They probably thought you were another middle-aged woman trying to come on stage to request a song. I don't think the DJ is like this person who's like, no, playing Michael Jackson's problematic. I don't think a millennial is even thinking that. So Crystal, girl, again, this ain't about you. I'll get you another time. The DJ did not play Michael Jackson because at the end of the day, he did not know who Kathy Hilton was. Period, point, and the blank. And that's another reminder to Kathy that outside of 90210, her bubble, you're not that girl. You're not. And that was a tough pill for Kathy Hilton to swallow. Kathy Hilton's anger, ladies and gentlemen, had absolutely nothing to do with being told no to her request. It had everything to do with outside of the 90210 bubble, no one knows who I am. And that's why she left. That's why she went in the car. Lisa Renna followed her because at the end of the day, Lisa Renna was like, you are Kathy Hilton to me, bitch. So let me get you home because for those five people in Aspen, Colorado who may know you, let me protect you from bad press. Kathy was angry and all the anger she felt that day being dissed by Lisa Renna. But again, you can't take out your anger on Lisa Renna because no matter what Kyle does, Kathy will always have a problem with it. And let me tell you why. Kyle Richards is more famous and recognizable than Kathy. 
The reason why Kathy Hilton did 90210, <laughs> child, I'm going to stop calling that. <laughs> the reason why... <laughs> the reason why Kathy Hilton decided to do The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills is because she wanted fame. That's it. She doesn't need the money. She wanted the fame. She wanted global fame. She wanted fame the likes of Kris Jenner and her sister, Kyle, okay? That's why she wanted to do it. In my humble opinion, Kathy Hilton is jealous of Kyle, and this is why. It's the same reason I said earlier why she doesn't mess with Kris Jenner. All their life, Kathy Hilton was number one, okay? When you are a rich person who has amassed this wealth, there's power in that. Kathy Hilton had the power for so long that she knew that at the end of the day, her sisters and the people around her would always need something from her because she had the money, courtesy of her husband, okay? And that's no shade. That's the reason why she treats Kyle this way. Because Kyle has emerged as being more famous than Kathy, being self-made, unlike Kathy, is the star of this big show on Bravo, unlike Kathy. And that was a tough pill for Kathy to swallow. And it goes much deeper. When Mauricio decided to leave the agency that Kathy's husband, Rick, was the owner of, that was a tough pill to swallow because they feel like, why would you leave this agency as a family business to start your own? And then to see that Mauricio created the agency and the agency, allegedly, is bigger than the other agency he left. Yeah, that's hard for people to watch. Not only is Kyle Richards the star of this housewife show, she also is in this big franchise movie called Halloween. She's way more famous than anybody in the family now. And her husband left his family business, started his own agency, and his agency is successful. So much so, he has a Netflix show that, is a lot for one person to handle. And as someone who also was betted against, for someone who also created his own path, despite people saying, like, you'll never make it, you're done in this business, how could you leave this? Like, I've been told everything in the world. But because God is number one in my life, and I bet on myself, I know what it's like for people to see you surpass them and they treat you like shit. I know what that feels like personally and professionally. And that is what Kyle is going through. So when you guys try to say, oh, Kyle's not a good sister, you guys have no idea how deep it runs. When Kyle had the opportunity for American Woman to script a show, and Kathy decided to send a letter saying, you cannot use my likeness, y'all don't talk about that. Y'all don't talk about the fact that if Kathy is such this big person, why did she disinvite Kyle from Paris' wedding only for Kyle to be asked to attend? Y'all have no idea what it's like to be Kyle. And I'm not saying I do either. But what I'm saying is I see tons of parallels in Kyle's life to mine and I think if you sit back and really watch the show and see what's really going on, you can also see how it works in your life. At the end of the day, I feel like Kyle just wants to keep the peace. But I definitely think, and this is my opinion, the more Kyle star rises, the worse is going to get for her relationship with her sisters. So raindrops, tweet me hashtagging reality with the king and let me know if you agree or disagree with my take. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Marie Monroe from OWN's hit show that I executive produced and created, Bell Collective. 
We got the gorgeous, the best smile in the world. One of the founding mothers of Jackson, honey. <laughs> no, not George Washington, sis. We're talking about Marie Monroe, honey. Yeah, that's right. Marie Monroe, baby. Marie Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, baby? <laughs> I am doing great. Fantastic. Blessed by the best. Yes, indeed. <laughs> I love it. I love it. One thing about Marie that I want to let my listeners know, and also the um, the fans of Bell Collective, is Marie is so sweet, so nice, so professional, gorgeous, got the best smile in the world. And I feel like a lot of people think you're mean, Marie. <laughs> And I'm going to blame it on you. Blame it on Carlos, y'all. Blame it on Carlos. Look, everybody else blaming it on the edits and the producers. I'm going to blame it on Carlos. <laughs> and unless you've been living under a rock, I get blamed for everything. So You get blamed for everything. Baby, everything. And one thing I love about Marie, y'all, Marie was live tweeting um, a couple of weeks ago and she was throwing shade at another cast member who allegedly has a fake storyline that we'll get into. And somebody said, that's what Carlos King does with his fake ass. He has no integrity. <laughs> Marie, can you let the girls know how you clap back at this troll, honey? I was like, oh, no, no, no. Y'all are not going to do that to our king. Carlos is all about integrity. He's for the truth, not fake ass storylines. So no, 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 no. Y'all not going to do that. Not to our king. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for having my back, sis. I wish more people did. Oh, absolutely. But anyways, let's get into, we just wrapped up part one reunion. But before we get into the reunion, I want to talk about this season overall. Marie, you provided some of the best relatable material that I have seen in my 15 years of producing reality television. And one thing I know about women and men who are on reality TV, it's not easy to talk about what's really happening in your life. And I want to give some insight into how it came about you filming conversations about what happened to your grandson's mother and what people don't know is that happened like a day before we started shooting production. And you made the tough decision to film that reality. Talk to us about that, Marie. It was tough. The day before we actually started filming, um, i never forget, I was at my office and I received this phone call. It was my cousin of Raven's dad trying to get in contact with me, stating that she had just gotten killed. And I'm sitting there eating my lunch. And I'm like, huh? Say that again? And, you know, I'm in a clinic setting, you know, staff walking around. And I just started vomiting. You know, I, I started vomiting. And um, I was in shock, complete shock. So I instantly called Jerez and was like, hey, um, I just got a phone call stating that Raven has just been killed. Zane was in a vehicle with her, and we need to get to the crime scene to retrieve the baby. And, I mean, it was, my son was, he lost it, completely lost it. I mean, he was crying, yelling, screaming, and it seemed like there was nothing I could do to console him. It was just a very devastating time for us. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, do I film this? Do I not film this? But this is my reality. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. Like, okay, let me call. And I and I hated to do this. Let me reach out to Raymond's mom to see how do she feel? Because under, by no means would I have wanted to, you know, be disrespectful to her and her family, but it was Jerez and I reality. And she was like, you know what, Marie, you know, Go ahead, go with it. And but it was it was devastating. You know, it was a very real moment. And that's what was happening at that moment when you all came here. And so that's what I filmed. No, and and what's so interesting about the fact that not only did you allow us to film, you got permission 
from Raven's mom to do so. And in a society where a lot of people got so much shit to say about reality television, how messy it is, how ignorant it can be, how people are manipulated, all of these crazy things. The purpose of this podcast is not only to get to know my guests on a deeper level, but it's also to defunct these stereotypes that people who are not in reality television think this genre is. We wanted to make sure that you felt comfortable talking about it, and we wanted to make sure that we respected and honored Raven's legacy in addition to her mother as well. So one of the things about you, Marie, you have always been so transparent with your life, and that's the reason why you are so relatable. Not only that, you also showed the audience what you were going through with your mother, Yes. How difficult was that to show that side of your life? Very difficult because as a child, I was very embarrassed by it. You know, when my friends would come over um, or I would take my friends with me to my grandparents' house, I didn't, I was embarrassed by her. I did not want them to see her in her condition. But as I became an adult, I've learned to embrace it and love my mom where she is in her life and not try to bring her up to my level, just love her where she is and, you know, enjoy every moment with her, you know, and just love her for who she is. Although, you know, it's very, it's heartbreaking when my friends and people who are close to me spend time with their mom, whether they go into the nail shop, having mom and daughter time, I miss that on all that. I never did get that. So I admire seeing, um, a, you know, women and their mom spend time together because it gives me hope. It gives me hope that one day she may get clean and I may get a chance to enjoy those things with her. So you grew up with your mom addicted on drugs and you had to deal with that as a young girl. Um, Like you said, being embarrassed to, you know, bring your friends around her. One of my really close friends, she is in her 40s and she's a huge fan of Bell Collective. And she called me after watching the episode where you and your mom had that conversation. My friend's mother was addicted to drugs her entire life. My 40-something-year-old friend's entire life. And she called me to say, I relate to Marie so much. And Carlos King, you have no idea what that scene is going to do for someone like myself and other men and women who grew up with a parent who was addicted to drugs. And she felt so relieved that she wasn't alone in this. Because I think a lot of people feel right. like they, they, they're they isolated in, in their childhood experience. And you were able to share that as well. Knowing that you're helping women like my friend deal with that. And unfortunately, my friend's mom passed away due to complications with drugs. I'll just say that. Your mother is still around, thank God. Right. What are some of the things you have to go through in order to really help your mother in this situation that, unfortunately, a lot of children go through with their parents? I try to be positive with her and give her hope, you know, motivate her that she can do this and she's not, you know, um, going through this alone by herself. It's, It's challenging. It's beyond devastating to see my mom suffer from addiction and for her to tell me, Marie, listen, I understand you think I can just stop overnight. It doesn't, it's not that simple. In my mind, I'm thinking, mama, just stop. You're making a conscious decision to do this. You can stop it. But she tells me, Marie, it's not that simple. You know, I just can't stop. This is an addiction. I'm an addict. I can go to all these different treatment centers. But if I have not made it up in my mind to stop, nothing will work. And so that kind of, um, that really resonated with me way back to my childhood. And it, you know, gave me a clear understanding of why she never got clean during my childhood. And even up until this day, like, I've just pretty much made peace with it and, you know, accept her for who she is and, you know, what she do and just try to capture every moment with her and capitalize off every moment we spend together. And you're also honoring her in a sense, too, because one thing I want my listeners to know is you are opening up five methadone clinics, and you're the first Black woman in the state of Mississippi to do so. And I would like to give you a round of applause for that. Thank you. Thank you. That's not easy. So It's not. Talk us through what made you want to open up these clinics and how things are going for you right now with them. Again, 
my mom inspired me to want to open up a methadone clinic and offer those services to help people who are suffering worldwide, you know, to give them hope and let them know that there is help out there to get clean. We're dealing with a worldwide epidemic when it comes to opioids. And I want to be a resource to my community. You know, currently, you know, we only have three providers in the state of Mississippi. So I see that there there is a need for these services statewide in Mississippi. So to be the first Black woman in the state to offer these services is beyond, you know, a blessing. And it's not easy to open up these clinics. You know, the investment, you know, there are grants and things like that that the government give each state to help with the crisis. But you have to have the the working capital to even open up a clinic. To open up one clinic can run you $50,000 cash up front. Not only do you have to become certified with your state Department of Mental Health, that agency, you also have to answer to the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Authorities, the feds. They come in and they do an extensive background on you and not only you as an owner, but everybody who worked for you. You know, so it's a very hard pro- process and it is intimidating to, ha- to have all of those different agencies in front of you telling you if you make one mistake on one line, that's a $17,000 fine for each mistake that you make with your pharmacy. So it's very intimidating and it's hard, but anything is possible. As long as you, you know, you have ethics, morals, you know, integrity and do things the way that they they should be done, you can be successful. So, you know, it's a huge honor to even be opening up the five of the 20 that I will be bringing to Mississippi. Yes. No, we love hearing that, Marie. So congratulations (laughs) on there. (laughs) Thank you. Ooh, baby, I hate to interrupt, but we'll get back into my conversation with Marie Monroe right after these quick ads. This is Reality with the King, and I'm Carlos King. Let's get back into my conversation with Marie Monroe. You also are throwing shade at people who you think on the show aren't doing the same thing as you are doing, which is being transparent with their story. (laughs) Oh, yeah, very transparent. Yes. So we saw part one reunion, and we also saw your tweets. You and Latrice had this major argument. And one of the things you feel, Marie, is when it comes to Latrice's storyline about having a baby with, with Zaddy, you don't think that was real at all. And No, I don't. <laughs> I absolutely do not. Do you think Latrice is frauding the viewers, Marie Monroe? She absolutely, she's frauding the viewers. Okay, this whack-ass thing about I'm a fraud, you a whole fraud, you frauding your life, period. And all these fraud allegations, that's so stale, dead, and I'm just tired of hearing about it. The viewer's tired of it, it's stale. But she's a whole fraud. She fraud her whole storyline. Facts. <laughs> now, you know, they don't have nothing to do with production. That has nothing to do with Kingdom Brain, nothing to do with own anybody. But she fraud her storyline. She's a fraud. The only thing she's talking about, okay, if she's not talking about Marie Monroe and Zaddy, and she <laughs> Letitia's lap dog, <laughs> lapping up behind Latrice every time she filmed, what story does she have? She don't have a story unless she if she's not talking about Marie Monroe. This girl is obsessed. She's delusional. Do you hear me? The girl is delusional. All she talk about is Marie. Jealous of what, baby? Then she gonna tell, and then just to show you how she's insecure, she accused me of being jealous, right? Then she turns around and tell Aikisha she can run circles around her whole life. Baby, why are you trying to be in competition with people? You insecure. You don't know what people have going on. She's Latrice is a child in a woman's body. <laughs> That's what she is. <laughs> She's a child in a woman's body. She's very childish, to be honest. And then she'll get the little piece of paper and go behind the pillow and do this right here. Like a child. I mean, this don't have nothing to do with you, Carlos. This has nothing to do with Kingdom Rain. You all have no way of knowing. When you all come here to film, you all go on the story that we give you all, right? So it's no reflection on production. But this girl is a whole fraud. She's insecure of any woman that comes around her, and I stand on it. 
I stand on that. Look at the jab she took at Aikisha. Tell me she'll run circles around this girl's life. Baby, sit down. You hide behind your husband. Everybody in Rankin County know that you that's your husband stuff. You said that yourself on your green screen that you trying to get your business up and run because you've been blessed to have family land and all of that. So people already know that. So live your, live your truth, okay? She didn't keep my name out her mouth, okay? If she ain't talking about Marie Monroe, what's she talking about? Don't nobody know Latrice with them people over there in China? <laughs> Shit. Come on now. And you want to call me a whole fraud? Baby, you frying your life. Okay, well, that's both of us. If I'm a fraud, you frying your life. Marie. And I stand on that. Well, clearly but see, you do. I, but wait. When I, wait a minute. When I, okay, when I Marie say something, it's Marie hidden below the belt. Marie going too low. But you can go low on, she can go low on me, right? But you can, if you give five, you can't dictate, dictate how I bring the smoke back. You throw a jab at me. You can't control how I gut punch you back. Period. So this may be the first episode in the history of reality for the king where I have literally interrupted everything you said because I was laughing so hard. And that that never happens. But you are one of the shade assassins of reality television. And I love you, Marie. A lot of people, including me, have called you not only Marie Monroe, but they call you Marie Leaks. <laughs> Well, you know, you know, my thing is, Carlos, listen. As, listen. as, in, as in the greatest housewife of all time, Nene Leaks. Continue, Marie. Well, see, you know, oh, that's, thank you. That's a huge, uh, you know, thanks for that, you know, uh, for the comparison. However, you know, my thing is, I just be true to my authentic self. I don't get caught up in, go, you know, sitting, trying to throw shade back and forth with somebody and being cute and prissy and all that. I just cuss your ass out and keep it moving. <laughs> Period. I just cuss your ass out and keep it going. I ain't got time to go back and forth. Oh, she say something, I say something. She say something, I, I, nah, I'm going to cuss your ass out and I'm keeping moving. Like, I, I I don't care. I don't. I give zero fucks, period. I just say what I mean and mean what I say and keep it moving. That's just it. Oh, honey, we, we know that and we've seen that. And what we also seen this season, which is so surprising, Marie, and I know I asked you this at the reunion, you answered it, but I have to ask again for my listeners. We did see you and Latrice come to this cordial state in y'all relationship to where would y'all be best friends? Absolutely not. But hell no. Right. But but it was nice to see y'all be cordial because similar to other iconic reality TV friction when it comes to people, Nene and Kim, um, Kenya and Portia. You know, um, Heidi and Elsie from the Hills. Yes. We also got Marie and Latrice, right? But it was nice to see you two get along. What the fuck happened to where you two, dare I might say it, are worse off than y'all were last season? <laughs> because Latrice is a, excuse my language, Latrice is a fucking snake in the grass. That's what she is. And I stand on that. I stand on that, Carlos. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Let me take you back. Okay, season one, right? Mm -hmm. Now, so Latrice comes to me when we, you know, when we first tried to move forward. Hey, Marie, you know, I want us to move forward. I'm, I'm sorry. I apologize for whatever I said or did or whatever. You know, I look up to you. I see the things that you do in the community. I've seen the billboards, you know. Um, I would like for us to, you know, at least go to lunch, dinner, you know, so you can, you know, kind of give me some, you know, some tips, you know, as a businesswoman. Of course, that didn't make the TV. So I'm thinking we're moving forward. Well, of course, when season two aired, the bullshit happened again. So at so Gucci's event, she comes to me and say, you know, Marie, we, we were not family. Marie, you know, I just want you to know I want us to move forward. I'm not against you. I'm actually for you. You know, I just want us to be, move forward and be able to get past whatever it is that we've gone through. You know, I'm you know, I'm for you. This is off camera. This is off camera. Okay. Right. So off camera, she's Latrice stepped to me and said, Look, Marie, I you know, I have something I want to talk to you about and I want to show you. Someone sent me this document about your business. And I just want you to know that I'm not down with this. I'm sharing this with you so we can to show you in good faith that hey, you know, I'm on board with you. I want things, you know, want us to be able to come together and be able to move forward. But just know that it's not me who's against you. And I'm, you know, I'm for you. I support you. So I'm thinking, you know, everything's good. So in that moment, I say to her, I said, listen, 
Latrice, I've been in business almost 25 years. The document that you're showing me, that's six years old. I said, surely if, and I don't know the legitimacy of that document, if I've been, in, if I'm being investigated or have been investigated, nobody ever con- contacted my agency or subpoena my my records. You know, so whoever told you, whoever sent you this, you tell them, I said, suck my ass. <laughs> I'm just telling you what I told them. And I'm just it. Well, no, I'm not going to tell them anything. You know, I believe you. Let's move forward. You know, hey, we, we, you know, we in this thing together. I'm about, you know, womenhood. That's what she said. We move forward. So when we get to the reunion, when she go behind the pillar and pull, I knew what she was doing. She pulled a paper out. I'm like, well, ain't this some shit? This some snake shit. How somebody going to come to you, they on board with you, they want to work with you, and they want to move forward with you, and then turn around and use the same document against me to try to hurt me? Now, who do that to somebody? You know, make, I mean, make that shit make sense to me. How you going to use something against me, the same document where you're trying to help me and show me that you, we're good, and you use it, turn around and use it against me to try to embarrass me. So you did the same shit that Karen did, Kaylon, the first season. <laughs> what you did, it ain't no different from what she did. The only difference, she took the fall for it, she took the blame, but this season, nobody was up there with you when you did that. You did that on your own. So a person that'll do something like that to you is not to be trusted. And like I told Letitia, a person that's a friend to everybody ain't a friend to no damn body. So your words were, Latrice is Letitia's lap dog. Yeah. And what's funny is, Aikisha said that about Tambra, that Tambra follows under Letitia, and she's also Letitia's lap dog. Why do you think that's the case when it comes to Latrice? And my second question is, do you agree with Aikisha that Tambra is also that way? Okay, I think that with Latrice, like, Latrice don't have a story. She don't. So if she's not filming with Letitia, she don't have anything to talk about. So she want to be involved and be, you know, shown on camera frequently. And so in order to do that, she have to hang with Letitia. So it's something in it for her, the reason why she hanging under Letitia. Because she don't have enough story to film by herself. I mean, let's just be clear, okay? So as far as Tambra, Tambra flocks to Letitia because she don't want Letitia to roast her. <coughs> she don't want her to roast her ass. That's why. She don't want Letitia to roast her. And then back to Latrice, she flocks to Letitia because, of course, she don't have story. But then she'll have another alliance. You know, next, watch, mark my word, she's going to be trying to flock to Akisha because she's uh, she's scared of Akisha. She don't want Akisha to get out on her ass and shave the hell out of her. So she's going to try to lap dog under Akisha. Wait for it. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I'm telling you first, ooh. Latrice is going to flock to Akisha because she is afraid of Akisha and she's intimidated by Akisha. And she's going to try to be Akisha's lapdog because she's not going to want Akisha to shake the hell out of her <laughs> and read her for the fifth. <laughs> I'm telling you. Wow. This Wait is interesting. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, yeah. Mm, your friendship with Letitia is real. Talk to us about that. because, And I want the world to know when it comes to, you know what? Tell me if I'm wrong. And, and, I'm, and listen, okay. you've been keeping it real for the past 30 minutes, honey. So I got to ask you to keep doing this. So when it comes to Letitia, mm-hmm. who is she the closest to in real life? And who really wants to be close to Letitia to get more camera time? Oh, without a doubt, Letitia is closer with me. Not just on camera, but off camera. We talk all the time. Letitia and I, we are really great friends, and we get money together. We get money together. So we may argue, fuss, and all of that. She may cuss me out. I cuss her ass out. But at the end of the day, er, look, what's up with this project over here? So we get money together, okay? But the issue that I have, the only issue I have with Letitia, and I, I tell her this all the time, you can call me out on shit, on stuff that you think that I'm not doing right or things that I don't want to do, you call me out on. But you get Latrice ass a pass on the damn shady ass shit that you know she do. And you don't call her out on the shit she do. So that's the problem I got with my girl Latisha. She calls me out, but she don't call Latrice shady ass out. And I want to... Snake ass. (laughs) Shit. I want to continue with this too, because at the reunion, you and I were both confused as to 
this story that Letitia and Latrice were talking about with Tambra, how Tambra allegedly was telling Letitia and Latrice pretty much that she didn't want Aikisha on the show. And I felt like, and I'm curious if you feel like this too, because you and I were both tag teaming Letitia, like, we're confused. I feel like you're protecting Tambra. Like, what, what is it? And I never thought about this until you said it. You are right in terms of Letitia does hold you accountable to a lot of shit. And one thing we love about y'all friendship, and I think all friendships are rooted in this yeah. way, you can call each other out, and it, but it doesn't mean you're enemies. It means, right. I'm going to lift you up, bitch. You're going to lift me up. And if I'm wrong, call me out on it. If you're wrong, I'm going to do the same. Right. Because that's a real friendship. Now... With that being said, do you think the reason why she doesn't call out Latrice and Tambra is because are they not her real friends? You know, some, you know, as they say, you got to keep your enemies real close. You got to keep them close. You can't, you know, you can't fall out with everybody now. You cannot fall out with everybody because you won't know shit. If you fall out with everybody, how will you know anything? You got to keep your enemies close. She may not classify them as enemies, but hell, you know, shit, I do. <laughs> you know, you got to keep them close. This is so interesting. Because, yeah. Because look, the world knows I've worked on reality TV for many years Housewives, Hollywood Divas, blah, 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 blah. Love and Marriage, you know, the show I created. And one thing I know about the female friendships on reality TV. 90% of them are really rooted in reality, like real friendships. And when when I cast a show, I look for a real friendship. And you and Letitia really do have that. We all love y'all friendship together because we could tell it's real. It is. But on the flip side, there is this game. And I'm curious if my listeners know about this. When it comes to reality television, especially female friendships on reality TV... A lot of them are rooted in alliances. And what I mean by that is, in real life, they may not mess with this chick. They feel like, girl, in my real life, you ain't the I or the T. But we're on a TV show together. And I need as many people on my team as possible so that I'm able to control the narrative. Is that happening on Bell Collective this season, with the, with, especially with the new additions, of Aikisha and so Gucci. I can say this with Letitia and I, our friendship is on camera and off camera. We talk all the time. We may go to lunch. We may hop on a flight and go somewhere. That's real life. That has nothing to do with TV. But as far as like Letitia and Latrice, I doubt it. And I'm willing to bet my, <laughs> my life that they do not hang off camera. So I feel like they are allowance lounces on TV. Letitia and I and um, Latrice, their alliances on TV. Mm-hmm. Tambra, who was she like? <laughs> well, I thought that uh, Tambra and Akisha were, you know, friends and alliances, but um, <sighs> I guess that's not the case right now. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, so Gucci and um, Latrice alliances, I guess, and friends. I don't know, but hell, Latrice is everybody's friend. So, <laughs> everybody but my friend, you know? <laughs> I know. And when they see part two tomorrow, you guys are going to see a continuation of where things stand between Marie and Latrice. But you're also going to see the husbands join. And I don't think this is a spoiler alert, but Marie, my man Cedric was not there. And I was pissed because I... Love some Cedric. Everyone knows that. But here's some inside tea for my listeners. Me and Marie tried to get Cedric on this season. I flew to Jackson, Mississippi with my busy schedule because Bell Collective is my baby, is my heart, and I wanted to make sure to be in person when we started shooting this season. I called Cedric my damn self and spoke to him. And he had reservations about continuing on this season. And I said, Cedric, let's meet up. I'll take you out to the fanciest restaurant in Jackson. Let's chat man to man. Let me know your issues or what if you have any. But let's talk. Marie, do you know your ex-husband stood me up? <laughs> and I listen, Carlos, I told Cedric out of all people, you don't fucking play with Carlos. <laughs> 
So he tried to double back to me and say, Marie, please, can you get me another meeting with Carlos? I said, say it, listen. I'm going to be honest with you. Carlos ain't fucking with you. I'm telling you, I know he's not going to do it. Will you just ask him for me? Will you just do it for me this one time, Marie? Just please do it. You know, I, I want to meet with him again. Shit. <laughs> you shut me down. You like, ain't no way. You were like, tell him, you know, the deal's still same deal, still offer. Like, yeah. I ain't playing plan with saying Nick, no, no, listen, don't, don't play with me. Like, mm-mm. no, no. Don't play. Mm-mm. And I told him, you stood this man up. The, out of all people, you do not stand the king up. You do not play with the damn king. <laughs> and I told him that. And he'll tell you. I told him that. I said, you just burnt a bridge. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> but we love you, Cedric. We love you. But yes. Marie Monroe is right. Honey, you can't stand them Carlos King. Like, I flew to Jackson, uh-uh. and I wanted to have... Because one thing, Marie is the fact that, and, and you know this, and, and the world knows this, I'll just say it anyway, I love my cast. And I have a very great relationship with my cast because I look at all of you as if I have children, if that makes any sense. Like, right, like right. I, I father you guys, I mother you guys, I rich auntie you guys. Like, I am, yeah. I love you guys, and, and I am always here for y'all. Marie knows this. They they text me. They're like, yeah. I know you're busy, Mr. King. Someone will call me Mr. King. Marie calls me Mr. King. Mr. King, I know you're busy. You're my king. I need, like, <laughs> I'm always here for you guys. And one of the things that I know for sure is last season was very hard for you. So much so. It really was. Marie quit the show twice. <laughs> <laughs> Carlos like, nah, bitch. You <laughs> I said, Bell Collective without Marie, where did they do that at? So, real quick, last season it was very hard for Marie. And the first season of a reality show for anybody is very difficult. You guys heard me recap yeah. um, my Real Housewives of Atlanta season six um, reflection. And I said to you guys how Kenya Moore um, did not want to come back after her first season. Um, a lot of that happens to reality stars that you guys just don't, just don't know about. Marie called me and said... And she was so sweet. She said, I am very grateful <laughs> for this opportunity because you ha- you could have chosen anybody and you chose me and I love you. However, I got <laughs> to go or I'm going to end up in jail. And, and I love my business more than you, King. Me and Marie spoke for hours and hours. I was looking for a house. My real estate agent was like, what are you doing? We're trying to buy this house. I said, I need 15 minutes because Marie is about to quit Bell Collective and I can have this happen. So talk to the audience because I want people to know this side of you. It was a very difficult season for you, but gratefully, you and I had a great conversation and... The rest is history. Yes, yes. <laughs> first season, first season, it was like, I'm thinking, you know, of course, I knew about like the, you know, the edits and how things like that go. I knew about that, but I never, I didn't see, I never seen it in action. So I really didn't know how it went because I really didn't watch a lot of TV. So fast forward, um, going into it, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to do this reality TV show. I'm going to talk about my, about, my, about my business. My goal is to motivate other women, girls, and show them, hey, you can be an entrepreneur and you can achieve whatever it is that you want to achieve. That's in my mind, you know, to try to motivate and give other women and girls hope. Child, that was, I mean, that was the case. Mm-hmm. But the drama overshadowed, like, the main goal, at least for me. So when I start receiving the backlash from, you know, between me and Latrice and his hair, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then I'm knowing I really don't have a voice into what happened. because, And you, can, I can't argue with the viewers because they are right. They're going on what they see on TV. Mm-hmm. So that's a losing battle. So I can't touch that. Oh, but, you know, and that was fine. I could have withstood all of that. But when my business got attacked, that was like, whoa. I really was not expecting that. Like the fraud allegations, like to make that an allegation like that, that is strong. That means you're summons all these federal agencies to come after me to see if any truth is into, you know, into any of these allegations that these people are speaking into the atmosphere. 
So I'm like, what does this go out to do for my business? And then you ha- I have, you know, my patients, granddaughters, you know, grandchildren, family members are on social media and they're seeing these fraud allegations. And they're like, you know what? Um, I don't want my grandmama or my loved one to be a part of this. So I did lose some, some patients. But thank God for everyone I lost, I gained three back. Amen. But it was just traumatic at the time. So I was like, you know what? I don't have time for this. So that's what really made me want to quit. But going into season two, people had an opportunity to really see me and see, you know, my heart and everything that I was battling and going through. And to this day, fans, you know, they inbox me and say, you know, Marie, you know, I hated you season one, but I understand. I see where you were coming from. We love you. We support you. And, you know, we are here. So the outpour of love is just, it's, it's at the root mm. from the fans. So the good outweighs the bad by far. And that dynamic, it changed from season one to season two. So I am beyond grateful for you, Carlos King, because you could have chose any other other woman, but you chose me to tell my story. And so I'm grateful for you. No, I'm grateful for yeah. you. I'm grateful for you because at the end of the day, it is your choice. And right. I had a conversation with a, another cast member on another show, and I said... One thing I don't want is anybody doing a show where they're unhappy. And I I'll, I always know everyone's first season is the most difficult because this is brand new to be famous, is brand new to receive, you know, mean tweets, and it's brand new to see your business affected. But I'm thankful and grateful to you that you decided to give it another chance. Season two has reintroduced the world to Bell Collective, the show, but also to Marie. Yes. And my last question is going to be this. Uh-oh. Let's just say we may get another season or whatever, right? Okay. What would you like to do if we get another season? What can we expect to see from Marie Monroe? Well, of course, you know, as far as my businesses, is, you know, my businesses are thriving and I am venturing off into other healthcare services for my com- for the community. And so that's major and that's huge. And I'm so excited to be able to share, share that. Also, entrepreneurship, when it comes to my children, you know, I've made it, but I want to be able to support them in their dreams as far as entrepreneurship. So, you know, you all will get to see um, that dynamic when it comes to my, sh- my children spreading wealth, generationals um, of wealth. So you all get a, you know have an opportunity to see that as well. As far as my personal life, like you know, I'm kind of cringy when it comes to that. I'm kind of scared and traumatized, but um, maybe one day. Ooh, well, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. But Marie, I can talk to you all day. This was one of the shadiest, funniest interviews I've ever done on this podcast. <laughs> you know, I love you, Marie. You know, you know, I have deep, deep, deep love for you, deep feelings for you. And again, thank you for making season two of Bell Collective such a hit. And where can people follow you, support you on Instagram, Twitter, and all that stuff? Okay, so the fans can follow me on Instagram at Marie underscore Monroe underscore certified. So that's where I spend most of my time on IG. Now, of course, you know, Twitter. What is that Twitter handle? <laughs> Because I don't hardly be over there. I don't have any people <laughs> over there. So I think, okay, at Marie Abston. And then, of course, Marie Monroe Abston on Facebook. Yes. Well, yeah. thank you, my, <laughs> my beautiful Belle Marie. Thanks for having me. You're welcome, baby. And make sure you guys tune in tonight to part two of the Bell Collective reunion where you're going to find out the paternity results of whether or not Glenn fathered an outside child. 9 o'clock, 8 central, on the Oprah Winfrey Network. (laughs) I am still laughing at Marie. She, (laughs) she's one of the funniest women I know. I mean, Marie is just like, boom, 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 baby, with all the shade. And I love it. I want to thank you guys so much for making Bell Collective a humongous hit. The love and the fanfare that you guys have given this second season of the show means the world to me. It really does. And I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did making it. And tonight, we have part two of the Bell Collective reunion special 
Here's a sneak peek to listen to. Let's settle this once and for all. I'm over the plate and I'm over the holes. I plead the fifth. In the case of the baby, Glenn, you are... Bell Collective Reunion Part 2, tonight at 9, 8 central. Thank you for listening to Reality with the King. New episodes drop every Wednesday and Friday. Share, comment, follow, and subscribe to Reality with the King wherever you get your podcast. Visit realitywiththeking.com and be sure to follow me at thecarlosking underscore on Instagram and Twitter. Tweet me your thoughts and hot takes about this episode using the hashtag RealityWithTheKing. Reality with the King is a production of More Sauce by Stitcher. It is executive produced by me, Carlos King, and Jasmine Henley-Brown. We are also produced by Lashik Lotus-Lee and LaPortia Thomas. Additional production support by Corinne Wallace and Alexis Williams. Engineering and music by Marcus Hong. More sauce. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch involved in a then unheard of secret organization called the Illuminati and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.